broadcasting live from Nextoria. This is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Seamus Connolly. I'm Garrett Strother. I'm Ricardo. What up? I'm here as well. Ooh, keeping it nice and succinct today, Ricardo. I like it. We we really don't have the most news today, so you guys want to just jump right in? Yeah, man, it's bare bones news today. Well, today we've got, first up, some first look picks from Entertainment Weekly at the new Space Jam, and I think that this looks bad, and it's not because Lola Bunny is not hypersexualized anymore. That's exactly why I stop lying to yourself. <laughs> oh, God. Am I looking at the right picture where it's just like her head on a human man's body? What? Am I looking at the wrong picture? I don't think we're looking at the same pictures at all. Seamus, I think you should go to entertainmentweekly.com and look at the pictures. Jesus Christ. Um, but what they've done here is they've taken t- the characters that are 2D animated in the first Space Jam and Looney Tunes Back in Action and literally every other thing and made them appear three-dimensional. Well, it looks like they're doing both. Is there both? I did. I only saw pictures that looked 2D to me, or 3D to me. Are you talking about the Bugs one? And, and Tweety Bird, and, uh... Oh, yeah, I, I, I did see that one. I just don't think it looks good, and it seems to go against everything that's, like, coherent in the Looney Tunes movie franchise. Yeah, I got it looks like Detective Pikachu to me, you know, like that, just that weird weird mix of animation which i'm not saying it looks bad i'm just saying it's more it's not in line with what we've seen previously now ricardo just showed us a picture where they're all standing in like it's more of a like studio photo and i mean i they look more two-dimensional here and i hope that's consistent with what will be shown partially at least in the movie but all of the in-film images we've seen so far have had that 3D style. I'm thinking they're doing a... Well, it's a it's like a universe kind of thing that they're doing, right? So in Looney Tune World, I guess they're like 2D, and then they come here for the Space Jam, and now they're all different-y. It's a, it's a, a Jimmy Timmy Power Hour situation, if you will. Very nice reference. I love that. But in the first Space Jam, I'm not trying to, like, I've done a lot of thinking and writing about Space Jam. And I'm not trying to impose laws on this universe. But in the first Space Jam, when they go to the real world, they are still 2D. Well, do you, what do you guys know plot-wise about what this movie's, like, about? LeBron and his kid and the Looney Tunes and Don Cheadle. That is the plot. And it's it's the Monstars again, right? Is it the same evil alien basketball team? Do you guys know who Don Cheadle is playing? A robot or something? He's playing Michael Jordan. <laughs> it gets it gets real dumb once I lay it all. Uh, Don Cheadle is playing the AI Al G Rhythm of the Warner 3000 Entertainment 
serververse. I'm doing air quotes around that if no one can see because this is audio. <laughs> I could hear the air quotes. So it sounds like the plot is LeBron and his son somehow get sucked into HBO Max and they just interact with all of Warner's different properties and also the Looney Tunes are there. Okay, sure. That's insane. Like, what the hell? So it's brand synergy. It's like the Paramount and Super Bowl commercial, but real. Which, I mean, honestly, very in line with the legacy of Space Jam. Space Jam has never pretended to be anything other than a shameless commercial. Yeah, the whole thing, the whole idea is just a big old commercial. So this fits perfectly. I will say this. When I read that the first time, I was like, I hate everything about this. No, get it away from me. This sounds disgusting. And then I looked into who actually like wrote it and stuff, and it's like, like someone who does like art house movies and like Ryan Coogler and his brother. So I don't know, I'm kind of conflicted. It's like, oh, okay, there's a lot of good people behind this. At the very least, maybe it's could get like a nugget of a good idea in there. Again, it sounds like it's in line with the first Space Jam in terms of the commercialism that is the only thing driving its existence. So I am on board. I I don't I don't want a Space Jam sequel that's driven by by good ideas. I want to sell Nike. We're getting away. We're getting away from the point. Lola Bunny, Seamus discuss. She doesn't. She doesn't even look that different. I guess. I mean, she still look. My my biggest distraction is that these pictures have her all three D and weird in in the real world. People are morons. There's seven people upset about this. Ugh. And three of them are on this podcast. <laughs> no! I, you know, like any young man watching Space Jam for the first time, Lola Bunny was weird and confusing, but I don't think we need to continue that cycle, guys. I think <laughs> I think we're, we're here to break that right now, because it's a cartoon rabbit. Okay, moving on from Lola Bunny. Yeah, getting out of here. Marvel has announced that T.I. will no longer be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as part of the Ant-Man crew. But he was my favorite Avenger. <laughs> I was gonna say, do either of you guys know his character name, or did you just call him T.I.? No, absolutely. <laughs> it's T.I. It's T.I., the Baba Yaga guy, and Luis. Yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, he didn't ever do much. I'm sad they're not going to, like, turn him into a secret surprise superhero or something. But, you know, I'm sure they'll, those Ant-Man movies are are very funny. You know, they, they got really smart, funny stuff going on. So I'm sure they'll find a good way to write him out still make that kind of a, a thing. We should probably say it's for bad reasons. Did we say that? It's because T.I. is a weirdo. Yeah, yeah, no, he's a bad dude. And they, yeah. T.I.'s bad, dude. Oh, wait a minute. Because of the stuff with his daughter, right? I want to make sure we're on the same page. It's a, it's a lot of things. It's definitely one of them. It's a lot of things, yeah. Never mind. My nice sentiments about T.I. are rescinded. Screw T.I. forever. F9 coming June 25th, so if we're going to get real comfy with this cast if we're going through all those movies at some point. Oh, I am. I'm so excited, boys. Yeah, me too, but I, like, kind of hate it. 
these movies are going to be like buzzwords like high octane and nonstop thrills, you know, and that's that's sometimes you just need some action garbage. And we're going to go through it together, guys. It's going to be all three of us locked in an apartment. Nobody gets to leave until we finish them. Dawn till dusk. Just I get, I know I won't need more time than that. We're just going to just marathon energy drinks alcohol it's gonna be a mess okay and the other uh date change is that quiet place 2 has been moved up to may 28th and i think we talked about this last week that all paramount movies will be on paramount plus 45 days after they go to theaters that's actually really cool yeah pretty quick turnaround on that for for going to streaming we'll see how i mean i don't think i'll be going to movies in may but who knows yeah, I don't know about that either, but... I'm getting vaccinated in, like, a couple weeks, so... I'm gonna live forever. I'm gonna go to all the movie theaters. <laughs> yeah, you're just invincible. Lick the floor of the, the movie theater just to show off. You gotta flex on them. Yes. I think there's gonna be a lot more talking in this one. Did you guys see the first Quiet Place in a theater? Because that was just like a bizarre experience that I feel like really added a lot to the to the first one. No, I, I definitely get you. I I went to see it pretty late in its run because I really it was important to me to see it in a theater and I like made sure to get to it before it left theaters. Yeah, me too. I like that movie. It's I, I don't even know if I've seen it in not the theater, so it'll be interesting to see that in like my living room. Yeah, maybe it'll be, you know, better. Yeah, like you were about to say, I'm guessing. Like, it'll be more intimate. You can control the how quiet it is in the room. Nah, man. I loved the tension. I loved, like, clenching my butthole for two <laughs> hours straight because I didn't want to, like, shift slightly and, like, cause a avalanche with the noise. I brought exclusively crinkly candy to my screening. <laughs> you ass. Dude, I hated every single person who got a snack. There was a guy who had his, like, it was a, uh, his phone was on vibrate, but you could hear that mother through the entire theater. It was insane how much I hated people on their phones more than any other movie I've been to except for that one. Our last bit of news here is that Stars has announced a six-episode limited series Party Down reboot, which I imagine might get a few more episodes if it does super well because you know that's a pretty acclaimed cult series that had to end short of its time but it's about now for yeah i was gonna say for somebody who doesn't know what party down is like me what's the run yeah it's a cult series about a catering crew starring adam scott Jane Lynch, Lizzie Kaplan, Martin Starr, uh, like a really good cast who wow yeah I love everybody there were about to blow up when it happened like when they made the show basically. Is it gonna be the original cast? Because I mean they're all doing stuff still. They haven't said who of the cast is coming back, but I would assume if they've announced it that probably they have at least verbal commitments from most of them because all the creators are coming back, including Paul Rudd. Oh, very nice. Why did this end? Well, we'll get to that in our pop quiz, but basically 
they the other actors had to go off and do other things. Because cause that was the most stacked cast. They just had to disband. DJ Khaled suffering from success. <laughs> Truly that meme in context. Well, I mean, I'd, I'll be happy to watch, you know, the original if this new one is going to be, you know, as good. If it's a similar or the same cast, I mean, I love everybody in that list, so. It's also a pretty short show, so. Well, right on. That's that's perfect. A little, a little quick binge, and I'm, I'm all caught up. But yeah, I think that wraps us up for news. Should we move on to our main segment? Yeah, let's do it. Coming to America. Presenting King Akeem's son from America. And my mom's. And his mom's. Children, this is your brother. Hey, Quang. I'm sorry I slept with your man. Coming to America, now it's coming to me. <laughs> I'm a king, I'm a Put your hands together. What if like that? Say it again. Give me all It's a party over here. Coming to America, now it's coming to me. week on the show we're going to be talking about the new amazon original film although it's really not an amazon original because paramount made it and then amazon bought it coming to with a numeral to america the sequel to the comedy classic that we covered on last week's podcast so go check that out if you haven't already and i think i mean it's a comedy but we're just i think we'll just mark spoilers off the bat just because it's not really that kind of movie yeah, we're going to be jumping around our favorite jokes, probably, so it's going to be kind of all over the place. So, what did you guys think of coming to America? You know what? It's not as bad, I guess, as I thought it was going to be. It's not, like, spectacular or anything, but, you know, it's 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 a mid. Just, oh, this is all right. Yeah, man, I enjoyed a lot of the jokes they were going for, and honestly, a couple a couple of them really surprised me, even though they were literally just the same jokes from the first movie. <laughs> it just it just made me giggle real hard, and uh, you know, I think there are a lot worse legacy sequels that have come out, and you know, my lower expectations going into this one probably helped me enjoy it a lot. So. What about you, Garrett? What do you think? That's where I'm at. Yeah, no, that's exactly where I'm at. This movie's getting terrible reviews, and I'm like, what did you people expect from this movie other than <laughs> what it is? It's it's funny. Eddie Murphy is charming. Arsenio is charming. They got a great supporting cast. They got most of the original cast back, and they got new hilarious actors to come in. Like, it wasn't my, again, it wasn't my favorite movie of all time or anything. It's definitely not as good as the first one, but I am not mad I watched this. Yeah, I was seeing, like, I was seeing, like, angry people, and maybe that's because, you know, I literally saw it a week before the sequel came out, but people probably just have such a die-hard love for the first one that they were, they were expecting the world, and they got not that. Also, I was really proud that it was not just the plot of the first movie again, because so many of these comedy legacy sequels are just like, what if we did the plot of the first movie, but again? And it's not, it's a new plot. It's a little like that, but there's enough changes, though it's like... Yeah, they still they have enough plot similarities that they can still do all the same gags that you wanted to see from the first movie again. I think they should have called it coming to Zamunda, maybe, because they're in America for about ten minutes. That was my joke, Seamus! (laughs) Yes! I'm faster than you! Got him. (laughs) Bloody got him, mate. But yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying you're right. Like, they changed, like, 
a lot more of it's in Zamunda. Which I didn't I didn't hate. I like all the stuff in Zamunda, you know, all the stuff they expand on with like the weirdness of the Zamundan kingdom and like all of that stuff. I thought was a lot of was a lot of fun there. I loved the funeral. <laughs> oh yes. Oh yeah. One hundred percent with Gladys Knight. Morgan Freeman is narrating it. Salt and Pepper is there. Salt oh, <clears throat> Salt and Pepper. Excuse me. Salt and pepper. Cut that out, Ricardo. God, please cut that out. I'm such a square. <laughs> oh, God. Wait, wasn't there somebody else there, too? Uh, there was uh, uh, In Vogue. Right. Oh, my God. We get, uh, James Earl Jones doing the most Kim Jong-un nonsense possible. And <laughs> yeah. In wanting to attend his own funeral while he's still alive. Tom Sawyer, baby. Straight up. And then he, he just die. He, like, decides there at his living funeral to die very nicely, seeing all the stuff he's leaving behind. I thought that was actually kind of moving. Like, I again, this movie, this movie does not have the same political agenda or kind of, like, teeth that the first one has. But it still, I think, does have a lot, it retains a lot of that heart that the first one has in that it actually respects its characters and they could have really easily played that for laughs like i was really afraid he was gonna like fall down and face first out of the casket oh god yeah i kind of thought they were gonna do that too and uh, like i like that they respected that this was a big moment for akeem and zamunda as a whole you just saw how everyone loves this man Mm-hmm. but yeah like in zamunda as a whole i think that scene in particular expands really nicely on Zamundan culture and just like it does with its characters it finds a way to honor and kind of replicate the charm of the first film while also expanding on what's going on with the characters hey Seamus why don't you break it down what was what was the plot of this movie the plot of this movie it's honestly you know I didn't love I think they could have gone a couple different directions with the main actual plot of it, but basically, Eddie Murphy is told that in a stoned haze, he was mounted by Leslie Jones in America. Uh, great flashback to their night at the club where Arsenio is like in drag and like wants to sleep with both of them. We get a great callback to that spit take. And we've got weird, uh, de-aged Eddie Murphy and Arsenio both in really <laughs> yeah. low lighting so that it's easier to swallow. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's very great. Um, but yeah, basically, he unknowingly impregnated Leslie Jones. And uh, I want to say that flashback is the only instance of the Soul Glow song for just like a couple seconds. I think so. I think it's the only. There's other Soul Glow references, but I think that's the only instance of the Soul Glow song that I caught. Yeah. I'm glad it made it in there for sure. Yeah. Basically, uh, after James Earl Jones dies, um, Prince Akeem is, you know, he's worried that he's going to be taken over by Wesley Snipes's neighboring warlord kingdom if he doesn't have a son in charge, and he kind of neglects his eldest of his three daughters who is like kind of trained to take that role and wesley snipes was having a ball loved him general uh oh damn general izzy right general izzy yes he he was like strutting around making jokes like he was going for it it was great he looks so good he looks 30 years old (laughs) true oh the man doesn't age daywalker indeed black don't crack 
my guy. Wesley Snipes is the proof in this movie. Also, Akeem's eldest daughter, Mika, which is just Akeem spelled backwards, um, is uh, Kiki Lane from If Beale Street Could Talk, who's a really good actor who I want to see in more stuff, but so far she's been in, like, this and the Old Guard Netflix movie. Yeah, she didn't have a ton to do in this movie. Yeah, that's that's one of my main complaints, honestly, is that they could have made her a, more of a character. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, she does, like, maybe two things. She takes out Wesley Snipes. Oh, yeah, that's true. There's a, there's a great staff showdown where you got the kids and uh, Semi just, like, beating down soldiers with AK-47s in the throne room. It's pretty good. And I think that's my, like, kind of my... One of my chief complaints with this movie is... There are two relationships that at the end were supposed to be like, oh, they're friends, but they didn't do enough with them to make us really invested, which are, um, what's the son's name? Ah, oh, damn it. What is the son's name? I only remember Johnson because it made me laugh. It sounds like Johnson, but it's not. It's Johnson. <laughs> okay, his name is Lavelle. Okay. So, the first relationship is... Lavelle and Mika, which we do see that get earned a little bit more because she helps him with the whiskers and everything, but I still didn't feel like they super developed that relationship. The other one is between Semi and Tracy Morgan's uncle, Reem. Oh, yeah. They, we see them bicker like twice, and at the end of the movie, they're like, we're friends. And I'm like, where was the rest of the story with these two? Yeah, there's a great bit where they're on the same news show with a vaguely disguised... Uh, Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, he runs across the room and starts choking him, which I thought was great. That's just classic comedy. That That is a great one. But, you know, they just, like you said, they kind of melt into that comfortable friendship at the end. I am glad they didn't go the, like, let's make the wife and the you know, woman, he got pregnant, let's make them enemies, because they were that for, like, a couple scenes, and then they kind of, like, you know, had common ground, at least, with, like, where they grew up, and, like, her getting to, like, have fun. Yeah, that common ground thing. I wanted a lot more of that. I thought that was really fun, just for that character, just to finally just talk to, like, a real person after so long. I agree with you 100%. I really liked that she finally had somebody to talk to from Queens again after all this time, 30 years in Zamunda, other th other than her dad. It doesn't sound like there's many other Americans in Zamunda with her. Yeah, the sister didn't come along. That's sad. Although the guy that worked at the old yeah. McDonald's works at this McDonald's in Zamunda. McDowell's, sir. You're going to get sued. McDowell's, I don't want I don't know why I keep doing that. <laughs> McFlurby? Come on. <laughs> That's great. You think Louis Anderson ever moved up to Fry's? I think he runs that, that Zamunda and McDowell's, man. It did sound like that, actually, yeah, I thought. I like to believe he did move to Zamunda, but he's still just like a minimum <laughs> wage, like backroom worker. Oh, no. I love uh, when they get to Queens, they, they see a McDonald's billboard that says home of the real Big Mac with seeds oh and an arrow pointing to the seeds. The barbershop guys are back inexplicably, even though they should all be dead. Yeah, they should all be corpses, but they all, they're immortal in that barbershop. They all look great. I also love that they totally lampshade 
and acknowledge um, the influence of that scene on the barbershop movies where they talk about American movies. Yeah, for sure. That, isn't that also the scene where they do that, you know, I don't think they literally look at the camera. They might, where they're like, all these bad sequels and remakes and blah. Right, audience? Please like this movie. <laughs> There's only one look at the camera that I caught in this movie, which isn't executed super well because the camera is already almost in Akeem's light of, line of sight, so all he has to do is like slightly shift, and it's not as funny to me if they don't have to like turn their head. Like, it's same as Jimming. Like, it's, it's the same as Jimming. <laughs> God, you're not wrong, man. And I don't they do it again in the flashback of the look that they're referencing, too? Yes, I think they do. Like, they just show one of them from the first movie? Kind of like kind of like semi-spit take at the, at the bar? I mean, that's a great spit take. You gotta have that spit take in the movie, right? They, di- they didn't do another scream to door slam, though, <laughs> which I, I wish they did. I've got this. Going back to the daughter real quick. Mika and her wanting to be, like the future ruler of Zamunda or whatever. I know I probably should have other thoughts, but every time she was off screen, just deep in my heart, I wanted to be like, just please come back with like a fully built Panther outfit. (laughs) (laughs) You can't do that. They made one Wakanda joke and that's all they get before they get sued by Disney. I don't know where you're from. Zamunda, (laughs) Wakanda, Connecticut. Lavelle is practically Killmonger. He's wearing the same kind of outfits. Oh, 100%. Oh, God, yeah. you're right, yeah. Yeah, he's even got the Killmonger hair. That's true. Oh my god, yeah, the the barber lady gets it with that cut. Uh, I liked seeing, when Lavelle goes for his job interview, Colin Jost is the grandson of the Dukes <laughs> yeah. from, the, from, from Trading Places. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice that. That's funny. I didn't pick up on that. I guess I was too distracted by seeing Colin Jost in another movie. <laughs> Wait, did yeah, Ricardo, you had just said that you saw Colin Jost in a, in a movie, right? Wait, what was he in? I was watching the Tom and Jerry movie that came out, and Colin Jost is in it. He's a supporting character, and I hate him. I never want to see him in film ever again. So that's where we land on Colin Jost. Let us know in the comments what are your thoughts on Colin Jost. Hashtag Jost Roast. Hey, that's a good one. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's such a bad hashtag. Anything else you guys want to talk about about coming to America? Uh, sexual chocolate. <laughs> Thank God the return made it. That was the one that really got me right at the end was the Tracy Morgan going up. And they're kind of building it up like, oh, who could it be? They got so many big stars in the beginning. Who could top all that? And he goes, my cousin... Randy Watson. Randy Watts and his band Sexual Chocolate. <laughs> that man, that was a groaner, but the more it went on, the more I got into it. Come on. You didn't, you didn't, bu- neither you busted up when he said that. I was loving it. I did end up loving it. <laughs> I, I, I got genuinely surprised because I, I, for a minute, I did think they were going to do like, I don't know, some other big star, but. I'm glad that's the route they went. They did that. Oh, that, that boy can sing. They did that again. <laughs> the barbers are all at the Zamundan weddings. Great. 
Yeah, for some reason, yeah. Oh, and the, the last big thing I wanted to bring up was that, and I, I mean, I don't want to write the movie for him, but, yes, I do. I, I could write this movie better. Uh, it should have been uh, Semi's kid, I think. I think the big twist should have been, he was, they were all stoned and drunk, he was already established as, like, telling women that he is the king. Everything got confused, and it turns out that it's Semi's kid. It's it's better than Akeem was raped? Question mark. No, period. Exclamation point. Maybe. Yeah, it's not. It's that's not super good. I don't like that about this movie. And I think it would have been smart to have it be Semi's kid, but it does undercut the theme a little bit. Of I don't want to be king. Traditions are stupid. Let the person who's qualified to rule Zamunda rule Zamunda. Yeah, that would have been that would have been the real ending. I can't stop thinking about Black Panther. <laughs> That's all I can think about. I'm I'm a little surprised they didn't make more Black Panther jokes, to be honest. Right? They're, they're right there. I liked Akeem mopping. That was a nice scene. Oh, yeah. Very, very sad. But it's nice. They're kind of bringing it back towards the original message a little bit. Yeah. All in all, it's, a, it's an alright movie. It's a rental. If you've seen the first one... This isn't better than that, but I think it's worth checking out if you don't want like a few laughs on like a like a Sunday afternoon, maybe. Yeah, I mean they're 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 fun. This new one is is worth a watch. It's it's really all there for the references to the first movie, and you kind of know that going in, so you'll get plenty of those, and it's you'll you'll get a great laugh. I think it's like if you watch the first one for like a family movie night, you might as well watch the second one. But yeah, let's move on to our pop culture reference of the episode. Today's pop culture reference is going to be a limited series or a limited run series, which technically is a series that has a predetermined number of episodes by the time the first season airs. Though, something that happens kind of a lot more recently is if a show doesn't do super well and gets cancelled, but they still want to have some prestige to it, they, they decide that it's a limited series after the first season airs. So, I mean, recently we're going to be talking about the series finale of WandaVision, that came up today. That's a limited series. And you're seeing these pop up more and more. Uh, they used to be like prestige television events. And now they're just kind of like. With the advent of streaming becoming more and more commonplace. It sounds like most of these Marvel shows. Are going to be limited series. A good chunk of the Star Wars shows upcoming on Disney Plus. Are going to be limited series. And HBO Max is developing several limited series. Which HBO you know, used to be kind of the the king of the limited series anyway. Yeah, a lot of people prefer or at least I I find a lot of value in a limited series because of the because of the set number of episodes a lot of times a story can be written and fit into that time structure in a way where it feels more complete. Uh, an ongoing series might get canceled before it can be finished or it can go on for long enough that it kind of becomes stale. So the limited series is a good way to put a lot of power behind a project, a lot of money behind a project and not have it kind of 
taper off at the end. Also, I think it's worth noting the Golden Globes and the Emmys, I think, both consider anthology series as limited series. Like, so if you watch American Crime Story or American Horror Story, you consider, like, one season a limited series, I think, under those parameters. Which is, like, sure, I definitely, like, if you only watch Oget, if you only watch OJ American Crime Story... It, it basically functions as a limited series, so I can definitely get behind that. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely something about the, the tone of limited series that's, like, exclusive and higher-end, and a lot of the times that's what, you know, productions that are trying to make a limited series are going for is just a little more of a, a cinematic movie quality. Is that any different than a miniseries? Is that just the same thing? No, miniseries and limited series are the same thing. I think... What happened is, in the UK, it's called a limited series, and in the US, it's called a miniseries, and that terminology just kind of made it over to the US now. I think it sounds more prestigious, and it doesn't sound quite as, like... It doesn't sound like you're getting shortchanged, I think. Like, I think miniseries might sound like, oh, it's not, like, a full thing, as opposed to limited series, it's like, oh, prestige... And that's why I'm only going to be using the word miniseries from now on. You bastard! Like uh, like the Queen's Gambit was an example of a miniseries that went viral recently that I think wouldn't have gone viral if it were a movie or a full series. Like that, it hit a perfect sweet spot. People want to binge something for a few episodes and then not have to worry about it. Which is weird when you see a limited series like WandaVision that's released weekly, because that kind of goes against some stuff there but do you guys have any favorite limited series you want to shout out before we wrap up i think this counts the uh, classic twin peaks before they did the revival i believe was a limited series of two seasons right i don't think they were ever going to go past that and they kind of had an ending point in mind does that count i think it counts yeah i think i mean i think series uh, there are tons of limited series that kind of have two parts so i think that counts yeah that, that one always gets me that that's a that's a bizarre one Ricardo, anything? Terriers on Hulu. Uh, it's an effects show, but it's on Hulu now. It came out in, I think, 2011. I watched it, like, a long time ago, but I re- remember it being really good. It's a former detective. He's now a PI. They solve He solves crimes as his ex-con partner. It's got, you know, that mystery element to it. They solve crimes in, like, Miami. It got, like, 13 episodes, I think. And it's pretty good. I remember it being a fun time. Right on. That sounds cool. Uh, Garrett, do you have one that you have in mind? Well, I'm a pretty big fan of the 90s BBC Pride and Prejudice miniseries. Mostly because... I mean, it's super charming and good all around, but I think mostly there has never been a role better suited for an actor than Colin Firth and Mr. Darcy. Oh man, I should probably watch that. That sounds perfect. It's so good. It's really, really good. I think it's on HBO Max, so go check it out. Should we pop quiz? Let's do it. Pop 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 quiz. I'm nervous for this one. This is this'll see if I can tie it up, but both of these categories are a little hmm. I was gonna say, Seamus, you're coming up. From behind, you're at six, Ricardo's at seven. Is this the comeback streak that you've been 
been touting. It's been a couple weeks. I'm 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 hot right now. I can't leave the table. I'm ready for it. Well, since you won last week, it's gonna be Ricardo's turn to pick the category, and your options, Ricardo, are party down or coming to America. Hmm. You know what? Coming to America. Let's go with that. Let's see what happens. Okay. You guys know the rules. The first one of you to give me the correct answer gets the point. If neither of you get the correct answer, or you say it at the exact same time, we move on to our tiebreaker question. So, here we go. Coming to America. Eddie Murphy started ruminating on concepts for this sequel after taking a meeting and turning down a pitch for a sequel from what popular director? I'm just trying to think of, like, comedy directors like Judd Apatow or something. I don't know how that would even work out. That would not even be good. Ricardo, can you give me a guess before we move on to our tiebreaker? Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis has been dead for ten years, but I like the enthusiasm. <laughs> oh, I thought we were talking about the original. You mean the sequel? No, for for this sequel. So it was more recent when they started development, I guess. Okay. Oh, yeah, I, I have no clue even. Okay, I'm calling it. It was Ryan Coogler. Oh, no kidding. But here comes our tiebreaker, which is Party Down. You guys ready? <laughs> ready as we'll ever be. Party Down initially ended its run after its second season in 2010, due to losing two of its primary actors to network sitcoms. What two actors were they, and to what series did they move? Adam, Adam Scott, Scott Parks, and Rec. Parks and Rec, and Jane Lynch uh, Glee. Ooh, that is it. Ricardo got the point. No! <laughs> oh, we were neck and neck right at the. Ah, good on you, man. You get that, that. That's a good one. You you earned that point. You broke my streak. So yes, the correct answer is Jane Lynch left for Glee, and Adam Scott left for Parks and Recreation. Ricardo's running away with it again. He's got eight points. Seamus, you've got six points. I I still got plenty of time before we hit whatever number we haven't decided on yet for the threshold of victory for this game. I got time. I got a couple weeks to catch up. You win Garrett's... And then you win Garrett's house. House? Yeah, I guess that's what we're going with now. <laughs> yeah. Garrett, what's your address? Uh, 2323 Mockingbird Lane. <laughs> oh, lovely. Now it's time for our final WandaVisionaries, where we break down the series finale of WandaVision. As always, full spoilers ahead. WandaVision. <laughs> I miss the theme songs. I miss the commercials. We haven't gotten one of those in a while. And we never will again, Seamus. Yeah, I'm sad. This is our last one. I really loved this show. Like, as a whole, as like a unit, I I thought it was really interesting. And maybe I'm just like so thirsty for Marvel stuff, but I thought it was a blast. And, you know, this this last episode might not have been everything I wanted on my little wish list, but I thought it was really satisfying. I think I'm the opposite of you, Seamus, where I wasn't super on board with this show, but I actually really liked this episode because it was all about character and paying off character and not stupid fan service. Like, I, 
I liked that the finale of the show was about Wanda and her growth as a character and overcoming uh, the pain caused by all the trauma she's experienced and that it's not just like, oh, and Doctor Strange showed up and saved everybody. Yeah, that's fair. And really my, like, it's going to be Doctor Strange or it's going to be Magneto or it's going to be Professor X or Reed Richards or something like that. In my mind, that was always like you know, the last 10 second after credit scene where it's just like just another massive tease and that was going to be the big cameo. But I, I would have been pretty disappointed. Yeah. If it was just like, Oh, somebody else from a completely different thing just got here last minute and saved it all. Deus ex style. Well, the big cameo was Ralph Boner. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Let's talk about the implications of Ralph Boner. <laughs> Boner. Evan Peters, God, not even like that's such a brilliant twist because it's so obvious. If if we had not just had our stupid nerd goggles on, obviously that's Ralph because we never see Ralph, and she had to get this guy from somewhere. Yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, it's very you know. I don't hate it. I laughed at the joke of his name being Boner for sure, but it just. Uh... He had super speed. It's we just chalk that up to Agatha gave him Quicksilver speed. It's magic, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's magic. I don't care. <laughs> it was Agatha all along. There was a whole song about it, Seamus. <laughs> oh, I I've no joke. Every single day since that episode <laughs> came out with the Agatha all along, I have sung it out loud to myself randomly just because it'll get stuck in there i think it would have been real funny in the same vein as the ralph boner joke if she found a headshot and it was just evan peters the actor <laughs> see that even that would have been you know uh, i guess but then that would have like multiverse implications because it's like oh they can go to our world or whatever and then the theorists would have never shut up um but yeah i mean i mean the plot of this episode is really, there's not plot to this episode because the plot to this episode happened last episode and the plot to this episode is fight. Yeah. This is truly like, these this, these last couple episodes were very, I don't know, it felt, it got a little twinge of like anime structure where it is literally a whole episode of exposition and build up and then a whole episode of just fighting and... So if you've been missing that classic Marvel big final battle, you're going to get what you've been waiting for. Yeah, the whole episode, the longest episode, still not an hour. We were fully lied to about those last three episodes would be an hour each, but... We were fully lied to about a lot of things. That's just Marvel's MO. Like, oh, (laughs) Paul Bettany, you absolute bastard, making that big tease about the final episode cameo. Uh, great troll, though. He really did get us. Oh, I mean, it's hilarious. I, I love Paul Bettany, because he does not care even a little bit about Marvel or Disney's IP concerns or whatever. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, he's just, he's living his best life. I, I watched a supercut. I didn't know he had that catchphrase, snitches end up in ditches. Excuse me? I literally just watched that this morning, Seamus. It's it made me smile so wide. He that's his thing. Whenever he's at like a press interview for any of the stuff for Marvel, he'll like point his f- 
fingers out like a gun and go, you know what we say, snitches end up in ditches, and then he'll, like, make a gun motion. And if you watch the supercut, everybody, like, Elizabeth Olsen, anybody he's with at these things will just start being like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, snitches end up in ditches. Like, he, send it, he said it a thousand times to them. It's, it's very it's very cute. No, I, I love it. I love Paul Bettany. I thought he did a good job in this episode both times. I loved the Terminator 2 T-1000 walking out of the flames vision. I like all the memes that have come out of this vision fight. I require elaboration. Uh, it's the Wanda and Agatha fight on one panel. It's just a straight bare-knuckle brawling. And then... Vision v. Vision on the other one, and they're just, like, having a very civil debate. Have you considered this philosophical thought experiment? It's like, ah, I see your point, but what about this counterpoint? <laughs> yeah, I, I very much loved that. Just two robots staring into each other's eyes talking about, like, thought problems. Well, okay, let's talk about the ship of Theseus for a second, because... I liked it as I was watching it. I was like, oh, this is a nice, elegant way for them to talk about this. And then I was like... But is it, though? <laughs> because I don't really understand. I, I guess it does make sense, because Wanda says at the end of the episode that the vision that was living in, which is kind of what we thought all along, that the vision that she created in the Hex was the part of the Mind Stone that's in her that allows her to connect to him. So I guess, I guess technically that is a pretty apt Ship of Theseus allegory. Oh, you have pro- you have problems with the allegory itself. I thought we were just gonna start discussing like hmm, <laughs> which is the real ship. Like I don't know. Oh no, I mean, I mean, like obviously that too. Like we can, we that's our that could have that really could have been our pop culture reference for today, actually. <laughs> but the pop culture reference is us just debating the ship of Theseus. Well, I mean, like I I I like the analogy a lot, actually, especially because of how that end of that fight. Uh, ends up and kind of the implications of white vision disappearing before the end of the episode like they they have that debate and then we literally do not see him again so he's like this awoken cyborg who maybe has part of the real vision in him now or maybe just kind of gained his own sentience like vision said he's like you're a robot you got memory bank so let me just unlock those real quick he essentially uh downloaded age of ultron and civil war back into his hard drive like he's he remembers all of the things he just doesn't have any attachment to it it's just more of like oh that's a weird thing that happened to me one time yeah that's that's what i'm saying i don't know if it's like a full like oh vision is like pretty much back or whatever because this vision might just remember it and there there was a a shot of like his like weird forehead light glowing yellow for a second which kind of made me think that maybe that is a little more important but like i said he's straight up gone so i interpreted that that maybe the hex vision was able to put some of the mindstone power into this vision to give him a little bit more of a soul Oh, I guess that's what it was. Again, I took it as more just like, now here are the memories. Like, you know all of what happened. It's up to you, really, what you want to do with those, because he doesn't have any emotions or any real attachments to Wanda or anyone. But you know, with this new footage, he's like, oh, I've got a lot to think about. 
I'm interested to see where they take it. Yeah, I, I almost wonder if he's going to Wakanda, because, like, that's where Vision died. And that's where a ton of vibranium is to, like, work on himself, maybe? Oh, maybe that's true. I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, that's also possible. I mean, he's all shiny and new. I don't know how much he needs to, like, physically work on himself, but... Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Like a sad vision. He's gonna go to the gym. He's gonna go to the vibranium gym. Lift, lift some vibranium weights. Yeah. He cried. He cried in this episode. He that did. was that was a thing from the comics, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Where it's like even an android can cry. They didn't say that, but but that's the that's the 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 subtext. Uh, full Scarlet Witch outfit is fire, right? Like that transformation is great. Oh yeah. No, it looks really good. I think it looks really good. That whole fight is really good, I think. Especially, uh, it's spoilers, so, like, the whole rune thing. Oh, that is such a good payoff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that straight up surprised me. Like, it it surprised me as much as it did Agatha, for real. Uh, No, I was shocked. And the fact that it's just, I mean, uh, something I don't like that Disney, Disney has one third act now for all their stuff. It's the person's like, I I have the power, and then they try to do the power, and it doesn't work. And then the good guy's like, no, I have the power, and then... Because that's Endgame, that's Star Wars, and that's this. But I do think, the, by far, the runes is the best of those three payoffs. So, because they set it up really elegantly. And that big pull-out wide shot of, like, all the runes on the edges of the hex looked just also very cool. All the red in the sky, all the clouds they're fighting through. And I kept being like, she's missing, she's missing, you gotta aim! (laughs) But no, she wasn't missing. I guess that is that classic villain looks around and like, hi, you missed, did I? And then something from off-screen happens that they were actually aiming at. It's still cool, though. Plus, you know, it ties into... Agatha from the comics a little bit where she's kind of she taught Wanda how to use her magic and stuff this is a weird roundabout bite you in the ass while you're doing it but you know it's fun I liked it I liked it too and my biggest sadness for this is that I was hoping that Agatha would survive this finale and well she's she's in the sunken place it's like she's still there she's just not there Oh, well, I mean, like, you know what I mean, like, real Agatha. We kind of get, like, mind-wiped Agatha. That's, or, she's Agnes now, really, staying in Westview. This is not the last we've seen of Agatha Harkness. Yeah, I think not. All right, so, when Mephisto comes and gets her from the depths (laughs) and finally makes all our (laughs) dreams come true, that's when we'll know we've hit peak Marvel. Uh, I think we already hit peak Marvel and... We're still, I don't know, I, I'm i still pretty burned out on the MCU, but, you know, we're in it now, so. Hey man, if it's more stuff like this, I'm already so all the way in, screw it, I'm going with it to the end. Yeah, me too, I'm stuck here, I, I Garrett, I know you are too, you couldn't stop even if you wanted to at this point, so, let's hope Falcon and the Winter Soldier is good. What, two weeks? Woo! I'm so excited. Uh, real quick, I want to talk about a couple of references other than the T2 thing. I loved Agatha's shoes under the car. 
Absolutely. Wizard of Oz style. Very, very classic witch. So good. Um, they, the Incredibles moment in the town square with the force field, like, that, I, and of course they were still right next to the movie theater yeah. too, so you were thinking, you know, Incredibles, because they had had that on the marquee a few days ago. Also, they had Oz the Great and Powerful on the marquee this time, so another Wizard of Oz thing, so that's, that's cute. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Also, just just before I forget again, because I om- I almost did before this is over. What is the guy's name? He's in Coming to America. Oh yeah, yeah. That guy, my favorite side the piano guy, guy, David Schwimmer. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> he's in Coming to America for like one line as like a taxi driver or something. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And that's a great bit too. Like, his whole, his whole, like, you're going to have to download the app. I think there's a promo code, but there's surge pricing right now. Oh, it was it was, it was was a very multiverse indeed watching those back-to-back. Yeah, I was excited about that. Going back to WandaVision real quick, uh, I want to talk about the part where, you know, it's kind of cool. Wanda has to confront her own actions of what she's, yeah. you know, actually been doing to these people, where she's kind of... Yeah, she's still kind of, no, I, I'm doing fine, it's alright, they're cool with it, I gave them awesome lives. And then Agatha finally cuts everyone loose, and they're about to straight up burn her at the stake, like, they're not having it. I kind of wish Wanda had gone to prison, because, you know? She probably should. Like, consequences. What prison is gonna hold the Scarlet Witch, though? The Raft ain't gonna do jack, man. I'm just saying... I feel like she's gone into seemingly self-imposed isolation at the end there, so that's something. But it'd be nice if she'd said, "I I am going into self-imposed isolation as d- d- penitence for my d or penance rather." Well, she's on that anti-hero stuff. I was gonna say sh- she's not really going to do that for penance. She's doing that to study and to like find her way back to her family, which at- seems like at any cost. Well, but there's there's also. I think the implication there is also that she's realizing that she has to have more responsibility for the the ability to control her powers. Oh, that's fair. Because she's actually studying now and, like, figuring out how to not lose control, I guess. In her astral plane thing, which we got a Sorcerer, Sorcerer Supreme shout-out from Agatha. Yes, yes we did. For a confirmation that she is more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. Well, at least that's what the prophecy or whatever says. Yeah. Um, why did the I I get that they're trying to establish that she's super isolated. Why is it the shining landscape at the post credits? Like, like I'm not just saying it looks like it. I'm pretty sure it like literally is. That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> just like that sweeping shot, like by that little island with the tree and the water, and like going against the cliffs and the forest. One hundred percent. I don't know if this is what they were going for. But I liked it just because it felt very fairy tale. Like it's a witch in her secluded cabin in the woods. That is actually a great way to put that. Yeah. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. But yeah, I th- the shining thing threw me off. I was, I was like, why are we doing the shining now? Speaking of the cabin and her doing her Doctor Strange astral floaty thingy, uh, we get, you know, uh, the voices of Billy and Tommy. So that 
it's possible they could come back. Clearly, that's what she wants to have mastery over her powers for. So if I can just create whatever, if I learn how to actually control what I'm doing, I could bring back my kids. Like, they didn't appear from nothing. Like, maybe that's what Multiverse of Madness is about. They exist in some weird dim- dimension between dimensions or whatever. Metaphysics. That's, like, exactly what I was thinking. Exactly what I was thinking of just, like, she's going to be... She's... And, you know, we've been kind of saying this all season, but she is going to be ripping the holes in these multiverses, just trolling around for her family in one way or another. But it's going to be... I mean, it looks like it's going to just continue to be really dark for her for a while. Maybe Doctor Strange will pull her out of it and help, or maybe they're going to be kind of at odds with each other and... That would be awesome. As if it's like there he he's chasing her through the multiverses. I mean, one could hope. That would be my ideal, yeah. Doctor Strange is kinda really bad at his job if he didn't notice any of this was happening in New Jersey. He didn't get his ass to Westview, yeah. Like his whole deal was I gotta you know, regulate magic use in in this realm or whatever he's, he's the magic man but but also they might go in multiverse madness and be like i was off doing another thing you know i was saving another reality for i am the sorcerer supreme i fight dormammu <laughs> I, I i'm saying they're just gonna make they're just gonna make a joke of like oh i was off doing something wong did anything crazy happen while i was gone you took care of it right and he's like oh about that i was getting deli sandwiches because i'm from new york have you seen this new tv show it's called wandavision it's real funny (laughs) oh that's what it is wong is watching wandavision and he thinks it's just a good tv show and he doesn't know to like go to new jersey i do love wong yeah he's great here okay I have one last issue, which is this show, literally no episode has any falling action. I really was hoping that this episode would be the episode that had some kind of falling action. Nope. (laughs) Just, just it ends. And then, because even the post-credit scene, which could have been some kind of falling action, or the mid-credits, I should say. The, with the scroll and Monica Rambo, so she's gonna go meet up with Nick. Yeah, she's gonna go meet up with Nick Fury in space, and they're gonna do the space Galactus whatever thing that's going on there. Oh yeah, we didn't talk much about that. And she showed her powers and stuff like full force, and it was really cool. Right, that was this episode. Yeah, that was helpful for me, just because I I now I better understand what her powers actually are, instead of oh she's just like strong or whatever. Oh, it's like energy absorption stuff. Okay, I get a better sense of what you can do with her now. Yeah, me too. I'm glad that we had another tease that wasn't that, because I don't... Like, it's not a surprise to me that she's going off to go to space with the scrolls because obviously she's got a relationship with the scrolls and... And then, like, also, Dick Fury's in space with the scrolls, so... Um, yeah, I was almost expecting Sam Jackson to start clapping from the back of that theater... Just like slow clap, classic Nick Fury style. Can't Dennings uh, didn't want to be here for more than a scene. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, like I think she's literally in one shot of this because I think they that you don't even see her really other than 
saying have fun in prison. Like a shot in the car. I love the explanation at the end from Randall Park, Jimmy Woo. Say, oh yeah, she just didn't want to be here anymore. She left. She's she's gone. <laughs> Ooh, real real quick. Let's talk about uh the the people of Westview real quick. And just how that got. I think that was the darkest I've ever seen it, because we got at Dottie, was it, where it was just literally begging for her life. Or even the mom from that 70s show just being just, just either let us go or just let us die. Yeah, hear, hearing uh, Kitty Foreman say just let us die is pretty dark stuff. Uh, I Also, I read something after watching the episode of... Uh, when Dottie, I don't remember her real name either, when she comes and it's like, make my daughter, give her a role, give her anything so she can leave her room, let me see her. That gives a lot more freaky connotations to the for the children chant because they're literally doing all of this crazy stuff for their children because they're being tortured too. It's really like, come on, Wanda, you're a kind of a mother now. You got to get, get right with that. Wanda, you're an Avenger. What are you doing? You walk out that hex. You're an Avenger. <laughs> Not anymore, man. She's like she's like the best Dark Phoenix we got, and that's evil. I hope, but maybe not. I don't know. Well, Wanda's always been complicated in like the comics and stuff, where she's the source of so many people's problems. But also, you know, she's got kind of a redemption arc. We'll see where this goes. I I like where she's ended up at the end of this. I want to see more from her. Can't wait for Doctor Strange, that's for sure. Alright, we'll see we'll see you in in two weeks for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, whatever we decide to call that segment. Wait, you had one, Seamus. You had a good one. Ooh, I'm on it. Hold on. Oh no, I got a new phone. My notes are in my old phone. Now it's time to save the rec center, where we give you our weekly recommendations. What do you guys got? Uh, this week I'm going with another video game. This is a this is a classic that's gotten a remaster on the PS4 a couple years ago, and uh, I probably talked about it before on the show, but I just started replaying it. I'm gonna go for the platinum. It's Heavy Rain. The uh, the game that got Quantic Dream, the video game company Quantic Dream, it really got them on the map. It's like one of the early famous quick time event games, a lot like the Telltale series that you get where it's kind of investigation and quick time event based, but it's, well, I mean, I won't say it's more realistic than like a Walking Dead or a Back to the Future, but it's got more. They're trying for a more realistic-looking graphical style to it, and it's about a serial killer who drowns uh, people's kids in rainwater and makes their fathers go through horrific trials to try to save them. And it is really brutal and really good, and uh, it's really what got me into the more story-based video games, which I've I've really kind of stuck with for the most part. And uh, it's really great. You can get it on PS4. It's kind of like uh, 
the same vein as Quantic Dream's other games, Beyond Two Souls and Detroit Become Human, but it's it's really just like it's something else. A lot of fun, really brutal story. Give it a shot. That sounds scary, and I don't like it. <laughs> that's so scary, and I don't like it. Oh, that's good. Well, I I just revel in horror and gore on screen. I like I love that stuff. So we're we're a little different on that end, Garrett. Well, I've got a video game on the opposite end of the spectrum. If you don't want to have nightmares, <laughs> um, I recently started playing the 2016 Ratchet and Clank through the PlayStation Plus collection, and right now for PlayStation's Play at Home event, literally any PS4 or PS5 user, whether or not you have PlayStation Plus, can download it for free to keep to play right now. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's great. So if you guys have not, if you guys don't already own it and you haven't redeemed your, your copy yet, go do that because it is a super good game. It is like this weird... Buzz Lightyear of Star Command 321 Penguin Z art style tone world where it's like it's it's anthropomorphized animals in science fiction environments and I like it. I think it's really funny. I think it's really clever. They have these really cool arsenals of weapons that you can kind of choose from and they all have slightly different strengths and they're all good against these different enemies and then i'm i'm excited of course for rift apart which is coming out in june i think so i'm kind of prepping for that by playing this one and i really really like it It, i've only been playing it for like a week and i'm already i've already beat the story and i almost had the platinum just because i'm enjoying playing it so much is this the the remake that came out kind of at the same time as that movie did like a few years ago Yes, so it's a retelling of the first game, which was for the PS2, I think. And I've this is the only one I've played of them. I'll probably, if I enjoyed this one enough, that I'll probably pick up the, or at least get from the library, the PS3 collection of the first three games. But yeah, this is technically a retelling of the first game. And then the movie, I think it uses cutscenes from the... Or clips from the movie as the cutscenes. I don't know much about Ratchet and Clank, but you know what? I've always thought they were cool. They're from the same uh, video game school as Sly Cooper. And, you know, that's one of my favorite series of all time. So, Ratchet and Clank sounds like a lot of fun. Well, yeah, definitely check it out, Ricardo. I'd love to hear your thoughts. It really does tickle that, like, Buzz Lightyear part of my brain. It has very much the vibe of, like, a Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. So, yeah, what do you got? Oh, it's my turn. I don't have a video game. I do do got a movie, though. And this was... Recently, this has been, like, one of my favorite movie-watching experiences in that I went in with kind of low expectations and they got blown away. And I'm talking about the We Bear Bears movie. <laughs> Something I, yeah, I did not expect uh, what it gave me going in. Like, for anyone that doesn't know, We Bear Bears is a show. It's about three anthrop- anthropomorphic bears, a panda, a polar bear, and a grizzly bear. They're brothers. They talk. They hang around San Francisco. I didn't really keep up with the show. I've seen a few episodes and I enjoyed it. It's an episodic, so you don't really need to know a lot going in. So I thought the movie was just going to be, you know, some 
some wacky goof-em-ups. I, I did not expect it to be so politically relevant and have like a, a, a theme of like immigration and diversity or to have a, a villain played by uh, Kevin from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, no way. Uh, Mark Evan Jackson. Yeah. He's the main bad guy who's hunting these bears because, you know, people are annoyed with him because they're bears. They can't just be out causing shenanigans. We got to call an animal control. So, Ricardo, what I'm hearing is bears that are immigrants that are being hunted and causing shenanigans. Sounds up my alley. Oh, it took me a second there. Yeah, you, you damn Paddington crazy person. This villain, man... he he's just shy of calling these bears the n-word oh no oh my god that's horrible like it's not subtle of who this is supposed to represent but i was not expecting the depth of emotion or this really heavy theme and even some lines that were said by some of the characters and maybe oh damn that's i got goosebumps from that one that was kind of cool that is so interesting and bizarre Do, do you know where we can find this one is it streaming Oh yeah, this is on HBO Max along with the the whole series. It's the the show is wrapped up and the the movie while also serving as kind of a series finale. You can jump into it not really knowing anything aside from the basic premise that I told you. Yeah, it's short. Check it out if you're interested. I think it's a really interesting viewing experience just cuz like I said with that theme in mind, they even have like a this one's more subtle, and I think it's more mainly me reading into it, but kind of an, an all-cops-are-bastards kind of a through-line. <laughs> okay. You get it, We Bear Bears. Yeah, I'm, in- I'm interested in, uh, in checking it out. All right, I think that wraps us up for this week's episode of Pop Culture Reference. If you want to reach the show, you can tweet us at PCR underscore podcast, find us on Instagram at that same handle, like us on Facebook, or email us at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. Next week, we are going to be doing a monster double feature with Kong Skull Island and Godzilla King of the Monsters, which I've not seen that one, and you boys haven't seen Kong. So, it's going to be a good time. Ooh, I'm very excited. Hell yeah, man. Big ol' monster fight times. Do it. So yeah, tune in next week for that. Uh, other than that, we'll see you next week. Adios, amigos. Bye-bye.